And it's Tuesday, June the 21st. Do you know why June the 21st is a special day? It's because today is the longest day of the year. So today you've got the most daylight, the summer solstice, and the shortest nighttime of any other time throughout the year. After this, the days just get uh, shorter until I think it's December 21st. But I am honored that you chose to use part of your special summer solstice holiday to tune in to the Daily Rejoicing Podcast. And so we are in Psalm 14. Yesterday, we looked at the first two verses, and today we'll look at the remaining uh, four, excuse me, let's see, let me do some math here, five verses. All right, so I'll just read the whole chapter right now to catch us up. So this says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. So that's what we did yesterday. And I'll continue reading in verse three. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. There were they in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. Ye have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. We looked at verses 1 through 2 yesterday at how God looked down to see if there were any that did understand, and if any were seeking God. And by understand... We know that understand means they understood there was a God and they were living like it. And here are today the sad results of that search and then the hope that the psalmist was looking forward to at the end and really our hope today. But the sad results are this, verse three, are are there any that are seeking God or then you understand? Well, they are all gone aside, verse three. To go aside there means to forsake, to depart or to turn away. Do any understand and seek God? Sadly, no. The fool that said in his heart that there is no God is, yes, of course, living like it. And we said that any sin, any rebellion always begins in the heart, as well as any repentance, any restoration, revival. It always begins in the heart. And they are all gone aside. It also says they are all together become filthy. They've become filthy. Filthy is to stink as a result of being corroded. Sin stinks to God. He absolutely hates it. Don't pretend that you and God are having sweet fellowship when you have unconfessed, unrepented of sin abiding in your life. And verse three ends, there is none that doeth good No, not one. No one was doing good. And this is stated because I think we often suppose we can have it both ways. Reject God, but also do good. But what is good? You ask somebody, do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And somebody might say, well, I do a lot of good. I'm a good person. I've done more good than bad. I'm a good guy. But only God is good. And only God can define good. Good is not what we see here in this verse. Good is not going aside 
away from what God has said. Good is seeking God, pursuing God. Good is not becoming filthy. Good is staying clean. And all of this is defined by God and His Word. I say again, there is no obedience outside of obedience to the Word of God. So we're talking about salvation. Somebody might say, well, I believe that when I get to heaven or I stand before God at judgment, He's going to look at all of my good works and put them on one side of the scale. And then He's going to collect all my bad works and put that on the other side of the scale. And if my good works outweigh my bad works, I just believe, it's just how I feel, that I'll be all right. Well, God has something else to say. God says here, there is none that doeth good. There's language very similar to this in the book of Romans. When you take somebody through what we call the Romans road, which is a roadmap to salvation, the very first thing that you're going to show them, maybe one of the first things, maybe the second thing, but very early on, you're going to show them that they are a sinner, a sinner. And what sin is when God says to do something and you don't do it, that is sin. And when God says not to do something and you do it anyhow, that is sin. When you go ahead with something not in faith, God says that is sin. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means that if you're going ahead with life just based on sight, just based on how you feel, just based on certainty uh, that you can see, that tangible stuff, then it, it can't be done in faith. So it is sin. God requires faith. And God requires faith always in obedience. And part of that obedience is understanding what God has said in his word about what God requires for that sin. And of course, we know that that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. There's no way we were getting to heaven on our own because of our good works. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever. And that's why God in love sent Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life to shed his blood on the cross, rise from the grave three days later, and descend to his father's throne where he sits right now on the right hand of the father, according to the book of Hebrews. And so that's how you get to heaven. How is that? By trusting in God's perfect sacrifice to pay for sin. That's how. So if you're trusting in anything other than that, then you won't be going to heaven, according to God, because... There's none that doeth good. God was looking and there was none, none that doeth good. So we'll go back here to verse four. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? No, they don't understand. And that understanding is that there is a God and God is seeing you and God will hold you accountable. Keep reading verse four, who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. The foolish persecute the people of God and refuse to pray. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, the fool hath said in his heart, there's no God, and it affects his behavior. Everyone knows a fool by what they do. It starts in his heart, what he believes, but everyone knows a fool by his actions, by his words. And prayerlessness is practical atheism. Prayerlessness is foolishness on the part of the Christian. So I'm talking to you, Christian, here. Neglecting to pray is saying in your heart that there is no God. Now you think about that. If we really understood and believed that God commands us to pray and hears our prayers and answers prayers and uses prayer to change us, to change our hearts and our way of thinking, 
then we would certainly pray. If you really believed the access you have to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, the one who hears and answers prayers, the one who knows everything and can do anything, you would take advantage of that. And so refusing to pray is practical atheism. Verse five, there were they in great fear for God is in the generation of the righteous. Those who terrorize God's people will one day be terrorized themselves. If you experience persecution as God's child, let me encourage you, you are never alone because you have the Lord with you and that persecution will be held to account one day. Verse six, ye have shamed the counsel of the poor because the Lord is his refuge. The poor, whenever you see the poor in the Bible, it, it does mean, yes, people with no money, but it also means those who are beaten down, those who are oppressed, those who are, who are humiliated, those who are powerless. It doesn't necessarily just reflect the bank account. It's those who are in the oppressed minority. It says here, the Lord is his refuge. The Lord's is refuge. Now, somebody might say, oh, that's it. No, there's no better refuge. Make the Lord your refuge. Make him your fortress, your shelter, your foundation, your safe place. Make the Lord where you find comfort. When you're having a bad day, when you don't know what to do, run to the Lord. Run to Jesus. And the chapter ends with Jesus. Verse 7 is about prophecy. Prophecy is looking ahead towards the future. And it says, Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. That's, that's Jesus. Uh, all through the Old Testament, even up to this point and after this point, we were looking ahead towards the Messiah that would come. The salvation of Israel is the Messiah, who we know is Jesus Christ. He, he came the first time, and he is coming again. And he will transform Israel nationally one day. But he can transform you right now. Listen, if you're not saved, understand that you're not good. No one is. If you're sitting there thinking you're good, then it's very doubtful that you have been born again. If you're thinking that you've got it together and it's all about you, then you've never really recognized your need of a savior and your own depravity and insufficiency. And I believe you have to understand that before you can accept Jesus Christ for who he is and what he did. Because of our insufficiency, our inability to pay for our own sin, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins. When he shed his blood, he did so to pay for the sins of each individual who ever lived or ever would live. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from ourselves. Saved from the just penalty for our sins, which is eternal punishment in the lake of fire. If you're not born again... Repent of your sin and unbelief and trust Christ's completed sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection and be saved. From Psalm 14, we learn that belief determines behavior. What a person believes will come out in what he does. And God sees what a person believes and what he does. And what God does depends upon what he sees.